0: the words I speak and the words we hear be all words of life to us, our God. Amen. So here we are, in the garden with Mary. Some of us a little lost or confused. We have lived our own Good Fridays over the last few months, haven't we? The shootings at Al Nour Mosque in Linwood Mosque on March the 15th left many of us shocked to the core how could this happen here I remember when I first got the news alert on my phone and I read it was from the Guardian in England and I read the story and went they've got this wrong this doesn't happen here but it did happen here I thought this is not us and yet it was and is. That event left many of us bereft, grief-stricken for our Muslim brothers and sisters, grief-stricken for ourselves. And at the same time, at exactly the same time that that was happening, young people across the country were protesting about our lack of action on climate change, Controversial act for some. For some, they deny this is even happening. For others, they weren't sure this was the best thing to do. Some are angry about the protesters. Some are angry at the lack of action. And even if you do believe it, even if you believe the scientists, we're lost for ways to respond. We're not sure where to find any answers. Leaving us, some of us, confused and deeply fearful for the future. Good Friday continues for many of us. And each of us here probably have our own reasons to grieve, to despair, to stand with Mary in the garden, confused lost, none. So take a moment to think about your Good Friday moments that invite you to stand in the garden with Mary. So what does Easter have to offer all of this? What could Easter possibly say to what's happening in our world? Well, I have three thoughts about that. As I read the Gospels, and as I read the commentaries around the passages set from the Gospels each week, I've become more and more convinced that the point of this whole Jesus event And that the way that the gospel writers write about this Jesus event is God's deep desire for us to know how profoundly we are loved. That this world and all who live in it are held in God's generous and compassionate love. And Jesus lived this scandalous love. He broke the rules about how we're supposed to see God. He broke the rules about how we should be with God. Jesus lived this scandalous love in the things that he did. In the people he honoured and he blessed. And the outrageous and offensive stories that he kept telling. The outrageous and offensive story of what we call it the prodigal son, but the unfinished story of the father who had two sons. An outrageous story, or the even more outrageous and offensive story of the good Samaritan, which we have somehow made nice. Jesus lived the scandalous love. In a way to help us know that God is first and foremost compassionate, generous love. The gospel writers say say that. John says that. God is love. And he showed us that God's ways are the way of humility and powerlessness, selflessness and service. He showed it when he washed his disciples' feet, took on the role of a slave at the Last Supper, He showed that by dying on a cross. So for me, resurrection doesn't fix the cross. God doesn't make it all right by raising Jesus from the dead. Resurrection is God's big yes to the cross. That the way of the cross is God's way. It's God's big tick of approval. God declaring to all humanity... This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this is who I am. And this is my way. The way of outrageous, scandalous, self-giving love. And that shapes how I seek to respond to the events happening around us. And it helps me see when I see those amazing acts of compassion and generosity That the risen Christ is at work in the world today. Secondly, as I've wrestled with Paul over the years, and we've just listened to one of the great pieces in Paul about resurrection, and as I've read a number of commentators, they've often talked about the importance of the physical resurrection for Paul, not as a statement of faith to help us that we need to believe in to get into heaven which is often how it's used, but as a statement of God's commitment to this world. Jesus didn't rise as some spirit and then waft off back to God. God Jesus was risen in physical form. This was an absolute statement of God's commitment to this world and all who live in it. Jesus the Christ came among us as one of us, fully human and fully divine. We're going to declare that in one of the creeds shortly. And he rose again in physical form. For Paul, this meant that Jesus was God's faithfulness to the covenant that this world will be restored. This world. Jesus' physical resurrection of, is a sign of God's commitment to this world, to the covenants, to the reign of God, the reign God's reign of justice and compassion, of generosity and peace, which begins in Jesus and will come to fruition. And we are invited to live in the reality of this commitment, in the reality of this hope. Living in God's commitment to this world despite the evidence. And watching the evidence change around us. Finally. In John. The resurrection is not the end of the story. I think often we think it is. Jesus died and he rose again. End of story. But it's not the end of the story in John's gospel. Mary meets the crucified one, but she cannot touch him because he is yet to ascend to the Father, and he and he tell he sends her to tell the disciples that he has risen, and when she returns to them, she preaches the first sermon. That she is the first preacher. Then Jesus ascends. Then. Jesus returns. It's a very different timeline from Luke. You can't put these, those two Gospels together. And when he returns, he appears to his disciples and he invites them to touch them. That's the big difference, before and after. Then he breathes the spirit on them, the Holy Spirit. Then he invites them to keep preaching The sermon that Mary has already preached. I have seen the Lord. Then, well, we're the then. The book of Acts is the then. And we are the then. We are the next step in that story. The resurrection is not the end. It's the beginning. So the question is, how do we carry on that story in our own Good Fridays? How do we meet the risen Jesus in our own gardens of despair? What difference does Easter make for us? What difference does Easter make in how we live in our own Good Friday moments? The question is, what is next? Well, I invite you to have a conversation with your neighbours about what is next. What difference does Easter make for you this year? I've told you what difference Easter makes for me. But what difference does Easter make for you? Have a conversation about that for a minute (coughs) or two.